This is Data Podcast. In the ever-changing world of data, this is the podcast packed full of information to keep you right on top of all the developments. From AWS and Azure, through to data science, big data, AI and NoSQL, and everything in between, we cover the essential updates from both a technical and non-technical perspective, including special guests and in-depth interviews. Now, please welcome your hosts, Rajiv Baha and Shabnam Khan, with today's episode of Data Podcast. Curtis Thier is our guest today. He is a co-host of the Data Crunch podcast, a Tableau and Trifecta instructor, and the director of analytics at Shelfbugs, a retail analytics startup in Austin, Texas. He has worked for almost a decade in the data science field across multiple companies and industries. He has solved problems spanning IoT, retail, marketing, sales, competitive intelligence, nonprofit donations, and product development, among others. Bringing organizational change and innovation in analytical processes has been the center of his work. I am Shabnam, and Rajiv is co-hosting with me today. Welcome to our show, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. Rajiv, take it away. Thank you, Shabnam. Would you mind giving us a little background on Data Crunch's uh, history and how you guys come to form this podcast? The, the Data Crunch podcast, uh, it's maybe a little bit interesting. So, so I love podcasts. I've been listening to them for a really long time. And uh, I just think they're a really great way to you know, open your mind and, and learn more about the world and, and learn about topics you don't know a lot about. You know, being in the data space, I'm super interested in how people are applying machine learning and artificial intelligence and data science to, to different problems and different aspects of the world. I was kind of looking for a podcast that, that would do that. And there are several actually good podcasts out there on data science and, and things of that nature. Uh, but I couldn't find one that was necessarily kind of in a narrative format, like you might think of a radio lab or a planet money or something like that. And, and I was looking for something that was maybe a, a little bit more high level, more conceptual to, to say, these are the kinds of applications that are happening. So I thought, why not try to start one? If nothing else, it, it would be really interesting to be able to talk to people that are doing really cool and interesting things in the data space. And it's it's been a lot of fun. We sort of started out and we've been really uh, grateful to have a lot of great people on the, on the show and we've learned a ton from it. Oh, that's awesome. So some of the episodes that we were listening to talks about really interesting applications of analytics, such as preventing honeybee fallout and eradicating malaria in Zambia, etc. Do you mind enlightening us more on what you have discovered in your research? Yeah, it's, uh, we've discovered a lot. It's been, it's been really eye-opening uh, for a lot of different ways. I think one of the ways has just been the, the span of areas that data science and artificial intelligence can actually have an impact in the world. And there's a lot of applications and things that I, I didn't even know existed, you know, or problems in the world that I didn't know existed. And we've talked to people that are solving those problems with data and things of that nature. So, so for one example, and, and the, the applications that, that we've learned about span from the really, really kind of serious and, and heart-wrenching uh, applications to, you know, very lighthearted and, and kind of fun applications of data science. So, so one in particular that was kind of impactful and meaningful was did this episode on, on fish, actually on fishing, which, you know, is sort of, you might think a benign topic, but what we learned <laughs> as we were researching it is that there's actually a lot of human trafficking and piracy and things that happen on the water, on water and on the oceans. And it's a, it's a very large global problem. 
And uh, we came across some reporting the AP did on on some people who whose lives had just been, you know, destroyed because they'd been in the fishing slave trade. And it's just a really kind of a heartbreaking thing and uh, something that I wasn't even aware of. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's very interesting to learn about that and, and think about how we could help help people in that situation, how we could solve it. And there's some some groups doing some very interesting work about taking data from from different vessels on the ocean to track vessels and where they're going and using machine learning to, you know, if, if a vessel sort of has a certain behavior, then they're learning that that indicates that could be a piracy behavior, for example, and using some of that data in lawsuits for prosecutions and all kinds of really interesting things. And so so that's an example maybe of something that, you know, a pretty serious topic that, that we didn't know anything about and, and that people are trying trying to help out in the world with data science and uh you know all the way all the way to you know very personal stories like uh there's a professor actually here in, in texas at baylor that we interviewed that hey has produced an app that you and anyone can download this actually it's really cool it's an app that um you you can take a picture of yourself and it, it looks at your eye and it scans your eye and it, it has some machine learning algorithms in it to where it can say or, or predict and say, you know, you have, you potentially have wide eye or leukocoria, which is sort of a precursor to having some more serious eye cancers and eye diseases. And the app is called Cradle, actually, if anyone's interested in it. But but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that he did for free because his son had it and he realized that if he had had a way to detect this this leukocoria earlier, he may have saved his son's eyesight, and uh, and so that's that's a really great thing. I think that we can use you know data science, machine learning, and apps to to help people you know de- de- in this case detect potential problems with their eyes and get it fixed before it's a problem. And so there's just example after example of those those really good applications that that people are using to make the world a better place, and it's been fascinating to learn about them. Wow, that's awesome. I know you've done some work with uh, IoT and can you enlighten us on some top application of IoT that retailers find useful? Yeah, let me give you maybe because I, so I work um, at a company called Shelf Bucks that is in the IoT and retail space. And one use case that I know really well is is what we're doing. And I think actually what we're doing has has some implications for IoT and retail in general. So maybe I can share some thoughts on that. Um, just for a really quick background, so you, so you maybe can understand what the what the company does and understand how iot fits into all of this Mm -hmm. in the retail space i mean there's there's tons of places in the retail space where iot can have an impact and the interesting thing about iot is that it has maybe a, a bigger outlay of capital to get a solution going than maybe some other analytical projects that you might do because in iot you have to design hardware and you have to manufacture hardware and you have to deploy hardware Right. And that is very not only can be costly to, to produce all those parts, but also operationally to be able to make sure that all those parts are deployed correctly and in the right locations and that they are running as expected. All of that is, is something that, you know, if you're just thinking about running algorithms on data and things like that, there's there's a whole new world that that you encounter in the IoT space that you have to you have to deal with. And so what my company does is uh, is we look at and you, you've probably seen these, but if you go to stores like Walmart or drugstores or whatever it is, you, you've probably seen cardboard displays in the middle of aisles or on the ends of aisles uh, that have product on them like sunscreen or batteries or something like that. 
And it's kind of interesting because in the retail space, it's all about shelf space, right? The, the, the brands want to get as much product in the stores as they possibly can. And so one of the ways that they do that is by, by creating these displays and sending them to the stores, right? So it's hard to get shelf space, but if you can create a display and send it to a store, you have extra space in the store to sell your product. And this actually, this really niche kind of, you know, cardboard display area of retail is actually, it, it cost it cost them $5 billion a year to produce those displays. And 150 million displays go out every year. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly sizable. And one of the problems they have is they have, once they ship the display and it goes to the distribution center, goes to the store, um, these brands have no visibility into what happens. So imagine, you know, spent, you know, it's $5 billion cost. And once you send it out, you have absolutely almost no idea <laughs> if it worked or if it didn't, which is unheard of in marketing nowadays with digital marketing and things. Um, and so that's where IoT can, can help in in, in the physical retailer locations to help us bring some accountability, some ROA, ROI measures, right? So what we do is, is we have devices that, that we can put up in stores and that, that listen for signals. And then we have beacons that we put on these displays. And so when a display shows up at a store, it sends out a signal and our devices read it. And so we can say, oh, we've seen these displays show up at the store. And we can also using some algorithms and, and things tell them not only did it show up at the store, but it got put on the selling floor instead of in the stock room, right? A lot of times these displays will just stay in the stock room and they'll never get put on the selling floor. And so, you know, that's kind of a waste at that point. And so the interesting thing about IoT is, you know, we, we deployed all of these devices and spent all, of, all, all this time and money operationally doing all of this in, in essence, in the search of one data point, right? There's this, there's one data point that that these the display people didn't have. And that data point was knowing whether their display was on the selling floor or whether it wasn't, right? And so it's kind of a simple thing that IoT can give you. It's just, you know, this one little data point. But that one data point opens up a whole new world because now if we know when the display is on the floor, we can correlate that with sales data. And we can, if the display is not on the floor, we can send messages to to the stores, to the ops teams and say, hey, this is in your stock room and it's performing well, you should put it up on the selling floor to, to sell more and make more revenue, right? And so just even even finding that one data point with IoT brings a, brings a host of value, right? And so I, I think the, the point, at least for me that I've learned in, in IoT is not necessarily to focus on maybe some of the, I don't know, the, there, there's a lot of big trends that people talk about, but if you can find a really niche, it's kind of small use case, like we did with these displays, and you can apply an IoT solution to it and find find some new data points that no one else has that can connect the dots, then you can provide a lot of value to people. And that's, I think, where people are winning in retail and IoT deployments is when they can find those new data points and make those connections for people. I got a quick follow-up question to that. For these display devices, what kind of technology are you using? Are you are you using Raspberry Pi or anything similar? You know, it's all actually built in-house. So we have okay. a whole team actually that that designs the devices, they build the hardware, they code the, the hardware, all that kind of stuff. So it's not it's not necessarily anything you buy uh, commercially. Oh, nice. That's super cool. 
Well, that's impressive to learn. I didn't know all these little things that, you know, lie behind all the shelves when we go to supermarket. That's pretty interesting. Right. It's, it's a whole hidden ecosystem. It's really, really fascinating. <laughs> that is so cool. So my next question also relates to this. And I noticed one of the buzzwords associated with IoT is streaming analytics. Now, I would like to know if um, how is this different from standard analytics that we know or understand? Yeah, so, so streaming, I can offer maybe some high-level perspective on this. We're actually thinking of, of, of implementing a, a streaming solution at the moment. We haven't uh, actually done that yet in, in our company. But the, the whole point of streaming and the reason it's really interesting from an IoT perspective is, or at least one of the, the value propositions of streaming analytics is this concept of real-time, right? So if you think of how you typically do analysis, uh, you know, you gather the data and you probably have some batch process that, that brings the data together and you put it in an analytical system and you may have, you know, updates every so often bringing in new batch records and then you can run analysis on that and come up with some insight or something on a regular basis. Um, but IoT is interesting because, you know, these devices that, that we deploy out in the field um, can be can be sending us data on a, on a very high High velocity, right? So ours are actually scheduled to, 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 you know, every couple hours or so, they'll they'll report in and send us additional information. But in some deployments of IoT, it can be, you know, every second you get a new data point. And so, you know, that and that starts to be a lot of data coming in. And so, for certain applications, if you can if you can analyze that in real time when that's coming in using a streaming technology like Kafka or something like that, then you can provide, you know. Up, up to the minute, up to the second, up to the hour insight for people that, that need to act on that, right? So let's say your IoT deployment is, is you know, monitoring some, some system in a building and something goes down or something happens. You know, you don't really want to wait a day to gather the data and batch process it and put it in your analytical server. You want to know about that right away. And so streaming allows you, the streaming technology will allow you to do that. Nice. Let's just uh, jump into a different topic. You know how we uh, find ourselves in a situation where we overanalyze the problem leading to analysis paralysis. I mean, the kind of work you're doing, it sounds really complex. And so I'm just curious, when it comes to uh, keeping your solutions simple, especially with a complex analytics project, what kind of methodology or how, how do you approach that kind of problem? I, I think that's a great question, actually. And uh, I, I, I have really strong feelings about this because I've, I've, I've seen how not focusing on, you know, overanalyzing things and, and, and being too complex in your analysis causes um, a lot of problems and, and can waste a lot of time. And so I, I think what the, the perspective I try to have is, especially when we're working in startups or when working in industry, I think you really have to have the mindset that you are, you're, you're developing a product. You're not just the data guy or, or the data analyst. Um, everything you do in data science you are developing some sort of product for somebody else, right? And so, so really the key is, is, is providing value to that person with the product that you're developing. And so, and you want to do that as fast as possible, right? Like speed, speed to value is very important. And, and oftentimes as analysts, uh, we are really intrigued by the complexity of what we're doing or the mathematics behind what we're doing or, you know, we can produce these really great visuals and it's, it's really, you know, colorful or whatever it might be where we're really, that's what we do, right? That's, that's our day to day. But, but that's not really what our customers necessarily need or our stakeholders need. They, they need the value and they need it as quickly as possible. 
right? So I kind of espouse the idea that that you need to optimize for speed to value uh, and not for necessarily even completeness or 100% accuracy or, you know, complexity. You need to optimize for the speed at which you can provide value to your stakeholders. And so something that helps me to do that is one, thinking of myself as someone who is building a actual product. And if you if you can get into the mind of someone who designs products, um, something that they always do is think about the customer. And, and this is, again, this is something that's kind of hard for us, I think, as as technical people to do sometimes, because we feel if, if you know, if we, if we take an hour or two or three or maybe even a, a full day and just, you know, try to sit down and talk with our customers and, and learn about them and think really think deeply about, you know, who are they? Uh, what problems are they trying to solve? Uh, what kind of words do they use when they're talking about their problems? All these kinds of things to understand how you can provide value to them. That's a really, really important exercise because that helps you understand how you design your product uh, to, to be of value to them. So, so maybe I could give uh, an example of that uh, that would help uh, maybe sort of um, illustrate what I'm what I'm getting at. When I when I first started my career, I uh, I was working in a place and I was working as an analyst. I was working with some web data, and I was I had worked for a year or two there, trying to work my way up and provide value for the company. And I had finally gotten uh, a meeting with the CFO of the company. It was a fairly large company, so I, I was pretty um, excited about it. And I was going to go in there and, you know, present all this web analytics data that I had found and all these dashboards that I had created and all this wonderful information that I had. And uh, I went into the meeting and it it just fell flat. <laughs> you know, I went in there and presented, presented all this stuff. And at the end of the, the meeting, he was like, all right, well, what do I do with this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, don't, I don't know what to do with all this information. There's information overload. And so I realized at that moment, that I just wasted a lot of time and I'd wasted a meeting with the CFO. And, you know, if I had gone in there and I had just said, you know, I'm going to take one insight, something very simple, right? I could, I could have done anything really. I could have said, all right, I'm going to look at the top five pages on our website and I'm going to look at, you know, the words that people are using through our AdWords to get to those pages. And then I'm going to say, you know, if, if we don't have the words people are using to get to those pages on the pages, then that's going to be a disconnect. So we that's that's an application. We could use those words on those pages and increase conversion rates. All right. Well, all of a sudden, conversion rates. That's something he cares about, right? He's like, oh, we could increase conversion rates. We could have more sales. That's a good insight. Let's do that. And so if I had come in with the in, with the mindset of okay, the the CFO CMO, sorry, he cares about uh, conversion rates. He cares about getting getting leads to sales. And now I can come in and say. With all of this data, here's how you get more leads to sales. And that's all I had to do. I could have stopped right there. It could have been a very uh, rudimentary dashboard. You know, it could have been even just something very simple that I had mocked up. And what that would have allowed me to do is provide value to him quickly and then focus my efforts on, on doing other things to provide value. So, so I just think if, if we can, you know, as analysts, if we can step back and even budget one or two hours a week to talk to our customers or our stakeholders or just think deeply about who they are and, and what their questions are and what their problems are and how we can solve those with what we're producing. That will go, that'll make a world of difference in how people respond to the things we produce and the insights that we have. And I think that that's been a really important thing in my career to, to be able to do. 
That's wonderful. I'm, re- I'm really impressed how you shared your knowledge on creating connection from the narratives and what really, really people care about and um, what the right perspectives in a situation. I think that's wonderful. So, Curtis, we are almost to the end of our show today. Uh, it was really great to have you in our show, and we have learned a lot. And I'm sure people will would like to follow up and catch up a lot um, more on some of the insights that you mentioned and some of the information. So, if you would like to, before <laughs> going away, connect, you know, tell us more about how we can connect with you on Twitter or social media or blog. That will be wonderful. I'd love to love to talk to people and, and hear what they're what they're working on and what they're thinking about. Uh, my Twitter handle you can reach me at uh, Data Crunch Pod, short for Data Crunch, po- Data Crunch Podcast, but it's at Data Crunch Pod on Twitter. And uh, or you can go to the website. Uh, you can go to datacrunchpodcast.com and uh, you know uh, fill out the the form there if you want to contact us that way. Or feel free to also just connect with me on LinkedIn, Curtis here on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there and open to new connections and, and just talking to people about data. That's great. Uh, thank you for joining us, Curtis. Thank yeah, you. thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Data Podcast. You're welcome to follow our hosts on Twitter at Rajib2k5, at Shabnam Khan2017, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Rajib2k5. Our episodes are also available via iTunes, SoundCloud, Google, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you for tuning in.